out of uh, book of Acts. Anybody know what today is? Today's Sunday, right? Who said that? Good answer. It's, it's uh, a general answer, but not the specific answer I was looking for, right? What's that? Today's the day of Pentecost, right? So 50 days from Easter is the day of Pentecost. So Easter, uh, uh, it, which is Passover, uh, and uh, Pentecost are both Old, Old Testament Jewish festivals. And the Lord uh, intentionally set up Passover to be the day that he dies. And he intentionally set up uh, Pas- or Pentecost 50 days later, uh, and that's the day that the Holy Spirit fell. And so we know this verse here in Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 4, uh, well, let's start in verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so this is 50 days after the death of the Lord Jesus, and, um, uh, and it says, And they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat on each one of them. Uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and if you go back in the Old Testament, we won't go back there, but if you go back in the Old Testament, uh, the day of Pentecost has got several names. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, the names are uh, the first fruits of the wheat or the day of the first fruits. So uh, it was considered the day of first fruits. So it was a celebration of the harvest coming in, and uh, that was the Old Testament. And all of those feasts were designed to be a type and a shadow of what we experience today. So the Lord intentionally set it up so that the day of Pentecost was a day of the first fruits. So it's the first, really, this is where Acts chapter 4, verse, or t- chapter 2, verse 4, is really where the church started, the very first fruits of the church. Uh, there was some other work going on prior to this, but really, this is the day that the Lord kicked off the church of the New Testament. And it's the day of the first fruits, the first fruits of, uh, of all of the work he'd been doing for thousands of years for redemption. Uh, he'd been planning and strategizing and, you know, dealing with just complete losers, right? I mean, you know, adulterers and fornicators and, and liars and cheats and thieves. And he made it, right? I mean, you know, I mean, Rahab was, remember Rahab? Her, her full name is Rahab the harlot, right? And she felt like, that's not my name anymore. But, but she was from Jer- uh, Jericho. Uh, she's in the bloodline of Jesus, right? She's a descendant of, uh, of Ruth and Boaz. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, he can use anybody. Anybody's willing, he'll use them, right? He doesn't care where you came from, what you're saying, what you're doing. He'll use anybody. Uh, and he did. He, he managed to make it through, you know. Uh, I mean, if, if you were in Vegas, the odds would have been zero that Jesus could have made it to the earth, right? Because you look at the people that he had to use and then fix things, right? Sometimes it would take him 100 years to fix things, right? Somebody messed it up. And, uh, I mean, Saul was king of Israel. It took him 40 years to fix Saul, right? He finally got rid of Saul and got David. Uh, and so it just... Uh, thousands of years Jesus spent uh, getting uh, the end game of redemption, which was Acts chapter 2, verse 4. He wanted the Spirit of God in people. He wanted the power of God in people. That was the end game. That was the whole plan of redemption. It wasn't about sin and repentance, and that was all necessary to get to this point, right? The, sin, the, the, the shedding of the blood of Jesus, which in fact, we're going to receive communion later on today, that reminds us of what Jesus did on the cross but the cross wasn't the end game. It was the resurrection of Jesus was the end game. And then the impartation of the Spirit of God into the lives of men was the end game of redemption. That was the whole, Acts 2-4 is the culmination, the first fruits of everything Jesus had planned for thousands of years. And so, uh, you know, one of the things we, we, we mentioned around here is uh, how many people did the Lord intend 
to be Pentecostal. All of us, right? He never intended to be a Pentecostal church, a crazy church, and all the other normal, you know, respectable church, right? He wanted the entire church to speak with other tongues. It was never, it was never part of, well, just for the first century, just for the apostles. It, it was always intended that all of us speak with other tongues. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, that, and that's the first fruits of the church, right? And, and that's the, the intention of the Lord to, to do that. And we see all this through the book of Acts. So, I just want to encourage you, but this is the day that the Lord planned for thousands of years. And he, and he made it, right? Uh, he got it, he got it uh, to the earth. Uh, he got the Spirit of God in the hearts of men uh, and changed everything, amen? And 2,000 years, we're still talking about this event, amen? Uh, and so um, if you're not uh, Spirit-filled, we, we'll give you an opportunity at some point to do that. You know, of course, you can do that on your own anytime you want to, but um, you know, it's good to lay hands on people. That's one of the ways that you can get Spirit-filled, amen? And so uh, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. That speaking in tongues is a New Testament only uh, event, right? There, uh, all the other uh, spiritual gifts, there's nine spiritual gifts that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about. All the other spiritual gifts that uh, uh, are in the, the uh, listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 were found in the Old Testament except for speaking with other tongues. And so it's uh, really an interesting um, situation there for for us because we have something that Jesus didn't do. Jesus never spoke in other tongues. Some of the Pharisees thought he was because they had no idea what he was saying, but it wasn't because he was speaking in other tongues. It was because they had no concept of what he was talking about. So, so in, in that, you know, that, that's something that the Lord gave to us. And of course, uh, for some reason, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about, which I'll mention a little bit, there's controversy in the body of Christ and the church whether we should speak with other tongues or not, even though it's one of the most well-documented doctrines in the New Testament, speaking in other tongues. It's all through the, the book of Acts. It's through uh, many of the epistles. Uh, it's obvious that uh, from, if you read the plan of redemption, that that was the plan of the Lord Jesus from the beginning. And, and yet uh, it's looked upon, I mean, even many churches today still believe it's of the devil, which is really odd because... Uh, you're glorifying God, right, when you're speaking with other tongues. And, um, uh, but they say that because they're trying to dissuade people from speaking with other tongues, amen? Uh, and yet, uh, it, it's a great uh, blessing, amen? And we have taught over the years at different times, you know, the value of speaking with other tongues and why we should do that. Um, it, one of the nice things that, uh, that I think is a, is a great benefit of the speaking with other tongues is, you know, as you speak with other tongues, you have to yield to the Holy Spirit to do that, right? Now, He doesn't make you do it. He doesn't possess you like we see on TV or in Hollywood, right? He doesn't, uh, you just choose to do it like you choose to order French fries, right? It's just something you choose to do. And so, uh, but you have to yield to the Holy Spirit to allow Him to speak with other tongues through you. And as you do that, you get more uh, connected to the realm of the Spirit. You know, we are spirit beings, and we're going to be talking about that some today. Um, we are spirit beings. God created us as spirit beings. Uh, and the more you speak with other tongues, the more connected you are to the realm of the Spirit. Uh, and so it's a great advantage. You know, there's plenty of other advantages to it. But I think that's one of the greatest advantages. You stay connected to the realm of the Spirit. Because really a big problem in the church today as a whole is we are so disconnected from the realm of the Spirit. We go about our daily lives. You know, we work eight hours a day, 40 hours a week or whatever. Uh, we, you know, we, we work, we go home, we eat, we watch TV, we sleep, rinse and repeat, right? And that's our life for 70 years. And, and uh, we, we get so connected to the natural realm 
you know, the spirit realm seems so far away. Well, someday I'll be in heaven. But Jesus said that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He always intended for us to live days of heaven upon the earth. Uh, and we can only do that really by, by spending time uh, in praying with other, t- other tongues. And so uh, I pray in tongues a lot, you know, and um, try to stay connected to the realm of the spirit. And, and you know, for me, if I, don't, if I don't pray in other tongues, you know, even uh, for a long period of time, it's just like anything, you know, doctors tell you that, uh, that in a healthy body, whatever, whatever food that you need that you, you may not have had recently, your body will start craving that thing, right? Whatever that is, you know, if you need certain vitamins, it'll crave that kind of food, right? And if you have, uh, you know, if you need water, you'll crave, you'll, you'll be thirsty if you need, you know, whatever. Sometimes I crave a donut, right? So I know there's a place in me that needs a donut. Uh, and so that craving will come up and, you know, I got to go get a donut. So, uh, that, that craving is there. And, you know, if you stay away from the realm of the Spirit for a period of time, if you're used to sensing the Spirit of God, uh, you'll want to go, you'll crave that. And so you'll, I'll just start praying in other tongues and get into, and get, and sense the Spirit of God uh, in my life. Not that He leaves us or forsakes us, but just, you know, life, right? We got things to do, we got walls to paint, you know, and uh, apparently, you know, and so. Uh, we just have things to do. And so it's not, the Lord created the natural realm, so it's okay to live here. Sometimes in, in the charismatic world, we all want to live on cloud nine, but, you know, it, you can't live on cloud nine all the time and still drive to Walmart. You know, I know people who look like they're on cloud nine driving to Walmart and they're weaving all over the road and, uh, and, and uh, they need to get back in the natural world, right? Uh, but um, uh, so the Lord made all these realms, right? He made the spirit realm, He made the natural realm. Uh, and so it's okay to, to live in both realms, amen? And really, you know, we're not going to go into it, but uh, it, it seems to me that it was never the plan of the Lord for the natural realm and the spirit realm to be so far apart. You know, in our lives, it seems like they're so separated, right? But you remember, the, the Lord walked with Adam in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. It wasn't anything unusual for Adam to see the Lord. Hey, Lord, how you doing, right? Uh, I mean, if, if one of us had a vision of the Lord, you know, a real vision of the Lord... We'd be on the TV, the networks, you know. We'd set up a web page, you know, and uh, obviously we'd put it on Facebook, you know. Uh, and um, we'd tell everybody, hey, this is a major life event. And it would be a major life event. Uh, but I don't think it was ever the design of the Lord to, to have that big of a separation from the spirit realm to the natural realm. Uh, and so, and I believe when, we, when the end of time comes, that the Lord will restore that back to where the natural realm and the spirit realm are just, it's just his realm, right? And we, we go wherever we want to go in that, Amen. Uh, and so let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll get started there today. Uh, so we've been talking about um, the uh, Beatitudes here. And um, the, the um, uh, of course, uh, I don't know how long we'll be here, but, um, you know, you got got anywhere you got to be, right? Nowhere you got to be in particular. Uh, and so um, uh, we're not going to go through back all of them, but we're here uh, down on uh, verse 8 there. It says, uh, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Uh, and, uh, and so in order to do this one, you know, I was thinking about this really in particular, where he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This has got to be one of the most important Beatitudes. I mean, the result of doing this thing, we get to see God. Surely that's a big thing, right? Surely that would be something that would be important for us. Well, Lord, I want that, right? I mean, the other ones are great. Uh, you know, hunger and thirst, they'll, they'll be filled, and you know, you'll inherit the earth. Well, we're not going to inherit the earth for, for a while, so that's going to come in the future. Uh, we'll be comforted when we mourn, you know, uh, there's the kingdom of heaven. Those are all great. But to see God, this has got to be kind of, you know, a really important one. Amen. Uh, and 
Uh, and he says the only way this is going to happen is if you are pure in heart. Uh, and, uh, and so we started talking last week about kind of the heart. And, and so I want to spend a little time on this one just because, you know, I feel like it's a really important one. In fact, it's been a blessing to me over the years. Uh, but how do we get there? Uh, and pro- part of the problem in the church is oftentimes we get so performance oriented. Well, the only way I can uh, be good is to, is to sin less. So we start counting, right? Well, today I only sinned three times. Good day, right? Uh, only three times, right? Uh, tomorrow, you know, I'm down to two, right? And you have a bad day, it was six times. Oh, well, I had a bad day, right? So we've become performance-oriented because we're measuring, and, and what are we thinking about all the time? You must sin all the time, right? What you didn't do, what you might do, what you did do, uh, and, and we become sin-focused. And the Lord never wants us to be sin-focused, right? He wants us to be spirit-focused. We think, uh, in fact, we, we had read in Galatians 5.16, he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, according to that scripture, we should be spirit-focused, right? Focused on God. If we focused on God, we don't do those things. But so, so much in the church, it's all about, what, what, what are you doing wrong? Give me the list of things you're doing wrong. Okay, well, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that. Then you spend your own time, you Lord, i got to stop doing that. And you're never focused on getting connected with Him. You get focused, connected with Him, you're going to stop doing that, right? Uh, and, you know, if you're drinking water, you, you're not eating tomato soup, right? You, you can only do one thing at a time, right? It's, so focus on the water. Well, instead of only focus on, you know, if you only focus on the tomato soup, you're just going to be thirsty all the time. Amen. And so we, we get these, we get this mindset in church because the church is so focused about sin. It's always about sin. In fact, uh, I remember one pastor banged his, you know, got to be dramatic, you know, banged his hand. We got to preach hard against sin. And I'm thinking, that's not what Galatians 5.16 says. Now, should we sin? Am I given license to sin? You know, here's, please go sin. No. But if, if we are, I mean, if you spoke in other tongues eight hours a day, you're not going to sin at all, right? Uh, not that you need to speak in other tongues eight hours a day, but you know, uh, but if you spoke in other tongues on a regular basis, prayed, spent time with the Lord on a regular basis, read the word on a regular basis, how much sinning do you think you're going to be doing? You're just not going to, it's just no desire. It's just the desire dissolves out of your life. Instead of focusing, I've got to stop sinning, I've got to stop sinning. And all you're focused on is sin. Uh, and, and when people read this verse right here, pure in heart, immediately they think, okay, I've got to stop sinning to become pure in heart. And, and people think that holiness is uh, a lack of sin. And that's completely wrong. Holiness is not a lack of sin. Uh, holiness will result in no sin. But if you remove all the sin, doesn't doesn't make you holy. It just makes you not sinning, right? But... But, but you're still thinking only about sin. I've got one left, right? Only got one sin left. Would you still thinking about sin? Uh, the word holiness really means to be like God. I'm holy, therefore be holy. If you're like God, you will not sin. But if you're not sinning, that doesn't make you like God. So we've got to focus on being like God and walking with the Spirit, you know, learning the Spirit. And, and that's, that's really on, on the, this thing here about being pure in heart. You know, what does that mean? So we, we had read... And I think it'd be good just to read that verse again over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We read um, about um, the makeup of mankind, right? So God, uh, God created us, right? He made mankind. He designed mankind a certain way. And Paul gives us a, a good description of this. And the very God of peace, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so this is the design of mankind. God made mankind with a spirit. Actually, he made mankind as a spirit. Uh, and 
He gave him a soul, right? Uh, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And he put all of that in a body. Amen. Uh, and, you know, someday we get a glorified body. Uh, and, uh, but we don't have that. So we're going to talk about these three things just in a, in a little bit. So this is the design. Every mankind on the earth, every human being on the earth uh, is a spirit. They have a soul and they live in a body. Amen. So we got three parts. And, and all of your life, you're going to have three parts. Amen. Uh, and uh, your spirit man uh, is created by God. The book of Hebrews says that uh, God is the father of spirits. So uh, uh, we're just going to run some references here over in John chapter 1. Because I, I want to give a, a good foundation of how mankind is made because we need to understand that to understand what the heart is. And if we understand what the heart is, then we can understand how to have a pure heart. Uh, and so we're going to take our time in that. And, and um, uh, there won't be a test or anything at the end of this, but um, uh, we'll go through some scriptures here to see what the Lord says about this. So it says, and this is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 9. It says, talking about Jesus, that he was a true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So every child that comes into the earth, God puts the Spirit in them. So the, the physical body is a, a combination of the DNA of the parents, right? You get uh, 50% from the mom, 50% from the dad, and, you know, and maybe they throw in a little extra there along the way somewhere, but... Uh, uh, but the, the physical body comes from the parents, right? But the spirit is uh, put into that child by God. Uh, and that's why, you know, some people say, well, you know, when, if a child dies, you know, since it never got saved, it, it doesn't make it to heaven, which is kind of stupid because it says right here that, that God put that spirit in that child, right? And so, uh, so is that child, has that child committed any sin yet? Well, no, you know, uh, the, it's a baby, right? And so it, it, it's, we call it that child is alive unto God. That spirit is alive unto God, right? Uh, and, and that's really what qualifies us to get to heaven. And we're, we'll talk about that uh, in just a little bit. But um, uh, turn over to um, Romans chapter 7. And I don't know we go through these scriptures a lot, but I think it's, it's good to, um, uh, to understand these things because uh, the more we understand about how we operate, how we're made, how we're put together, uh, the easier it is for us to understand where our problems lie. Because sometimes we're always trying to fix the problem over here. And that's not the problem. It's over here, right? Uh, and um, uh, we had a, a van one time. Uh, and uh, we had it for years. And every, every time we turn it off, right at the end of it, it just kind of shuddered. Just, and it made this weird noise, right? Uh, and, and we just like, well, the way we fixed it, we just turned the stereo up a little bit louder, right? And that way, if you don't hear it, it's not happening, right? So that's how you fix it, right? Uh, you just turn the radio up a little louder. Uh, and so, but eventually it got bad, right? And so we took it to the, we took it to the mechanic. He said, it's your alternator. I'm like, all right, never heard an alternator make that noise like that, but whatever. He, he changed the alternator. It wasn't it, right? Well, it's probably, you know, then he started, you know, it's probably the McGillicuddy switch, right? It's probably the muffler bearings. He started changing all kinds of things, right? And none of it. And finally he figured out it, it was the flywheel. The flywheel had a crack in it all the way around. You know, flywheel is like a five bolts, it's big, big gear, you know, it's heavy. Uh, and it's attached to the back of your, of your engine, and it was cracked all the way around where the bolts attached it to the engine. And it was probably that way from the day we bought it. It just got slowly, progressively worse until it was, it was really bad, right? And, it, of course, if a flywheel comes apart, you know, that's, that's a big chunk of metal flying at a high velocity. It's going to come through an engine block and all kinds of stuff. It would have been bad. But, uh, but, you know, he thought it was one thing, but it was something else. And a lot of times we're trying to fix one thing over here, and that's not the problem. The problem's over here. 
And it's because we don't understand, right? Uh, and he was an expert, right? He said in 26 years of doing mechanic work, he'd never seen uh, a flywheel do that before. Uh, and so it's, it's to our advantage to understand how we work because then you can understand where, where do I need to fix things, amen? We're always trying to fix things over here. Uh, you know, a lot of times we think, if I can just fix things uh, between me and you, then, then I'll be okay, right? And I have found that's a losing battle, right? Uh, it has been rare that, that I'll be better if I can fix me and you, right? I, I found I'm always better if I just fix me, amen? Uh, not, uh, 100% of the problems are all me, right? Uh, and you, of course, you probably all knew that for a long time, right? Uh, and so, so now the child is born in the earth, right? All the children are born in the earth. They're all born alive unto God. If they, if they happen to die, unfortunately, they would go to heaven, right? Because they're alive unto God. They're spiritual alive unto God, amen? Uh, and then Paul, over here in Romans chapter 7, I, I love Romans chapter 7 because Romans chapter 7 says Paul is a human being. You know, a lot of times people think, well, Paul was this perfect guy. He never did anything wrong. You know, he was just, he was just, you know, he was the apostle Paul, right? And he never did, he never did anything wrong. Uh, and so, uh, and so uh, Paul, but Paul said uh, in verse 15, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. You ever do stuff and you just still hate it? You do it and you hate that you did it? Well, welcome to the human race, right? Yeah, I hate that I did that. Okay, well, that's exactly what Paul said, right? Uh, he said in verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not. You know, I know I should do that, but you know, it's not, I'm not doing it, right? Whatever it is, right? Be nice to your mom, go to church, right? Pay your taxes, whatever good thing you think you should do, you're not doing it, right? And he said, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Well, this is Paul talking. He's not saying I did, past tense. He's saying this is my life. I, I, on occasion, this is my life. And he's a Christian, spirit-filled Christian, tongue-talking Christian. The, Paul wrote two-thirds in the New Testament. He said, you know, I'm still doing things wrong. I know people right now who believe with all their heart that they, the minute they get saved, they will never sin again. I, uh, I'm thinking, have you, what world do you live in? Uh, I want to visit that world because it's not the world I live in, right? Uh, and, and, but they really honestly believe that. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, that's, that's amazing that they really believe that. But see, they believe that because in their doctrine, if they ever commit a sin, even after getting saved, they die and go to hell. So they gotta, they got to fix their doctrine by lying about what they're actually doing instead of reading what the Word says. Because if that's true, then Paul went to hell. Paul didn't make it to heaven. Did Paul make it to heaven? I guarantee Paul made it to heaven, right? So this, now Paul's saying this is present tense. This is his life. Now, he's not saying he does this all the time, but, but he knows whenever he does wrong, he knows he doesn't want to do it, but he still does it. Uh, you ever been that way? None of y'all been that way? Y'all all going to have a, a prayer line for liars in a minute, right? All y'all lying. Everyone of you lying. No, we all do this, right? Now, is it okay to do it? It's not okay to do it. It's not okay to sin. It's not okay to do these things. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us dearly sometimes. But it's going to happen. Uh, and it's unfortunate. It's going to happen, right? And, and part of it, we'll talk, we'll, we get a little further along. But up verse 9 is where I want to get to. A child is alive unto God. But Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, a man must be born again. And so, in order to see the kingdom of heaven. So, when do you have to get born again? Because a child doesn't have to get born again. They're alive unto God. Uh, they would go to heaven, right? So, the qualification to go into heaven is a spirit that's alive unto God, right? That's the qualification. So, uh, but Paul said here in verse 9, I was alive without the law once. 
So now he's not talking about naturally because later on he dies and he, he's still alive when he's writing the book. So he's not talking about his physical body. He's talking about his spiritual life. So he, so he said, I was alive. So I was a spiritually alive without the law. At one point in time, I'm a child. I'm doing fine, right? You know, I may act up, but I'm not sinning, right? I'm not going, oh, yeah, that's wrong. I'm going to do that anyway. You know, no children are doing that. They may do things wrong, but it's not like a, it's not like a conscious decision. I know I shouldn't do that. I'm going to go do it anyway, right? I, you know, I remember the first time, I think it was Anne-Marie wrote on the wall with a crayon. Well, I mean, you know, you think about that's the world's biggest piece of paper. Now, look at that. I mean, I, no, no boundaries, right? There's no lines. I just draw, you know. And the thing is, we never told her not to write on the walls with a crayon. So she didn't know it was wrong. Uh, and so we went and beat her and put her in, you know, in timeout. No, we, what's the point of even scold? We didn't even scold her because we had never told her it was wrong to write on the walls with a crayon. So it's not really a sin, right? If she hadn't done anything wrong. She just being a kid, right? And so uh, now if I had done that when I was growing up, you know, you just, you know, it's shoot first, right? And, and then it's, you know, everything in my life uh, growing up was capital punishment, right? They kill you for everything, right? And it's like, wow, I mean, it's just a little thing, right? Off with his head. Now, and, and but, you know, we, we get to grow up a little bit and learn a little bit before, well, before we had kids. And so, so if she hadn't done anything wrong. Now, it was wrong because we didn't want her to do that, but it wasn't a sin, right? She, so, she had, so kids do things, right? But it's not like, yeah, that's wrong. I'm going to do that, right? Uh, and so... So Paul said, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, don't do this. Sin revived and I died. That's what he said, right? I died. Well, how did he die? He died spiritually. So what that means is that, that he was now separated. His spirit man was separated from the life of God. Now he's unqualified to go to heaven, right? And this was the whole issue of what Jesus spent all of eternity, all, uh, or all of the time from Adam till, till the cross planning to fix uh, I, I died so he so he didn't die physically because that would have been the end of Romans right there verse 9 and it's blank well why did blank because he died right no more no more words no uh, he died spiritually so we say well he's spiritually dead well that means that means that he's separated from the life of God his spirit is still alive but the life of God is not in it anymore uh, and so now in order to go to heaven He's got to get reborn. Jesus said a man must be born again. That's, that spirit has to be made alive again. And in the Old Testament, right, so before, before Jesus came, of course, they couldn't get born again, but they got credit, right? So they, had, they got partial credit for believing in the Messiah. So Abraham, Moses, all those folks there believed in the Messiah to come because he prophesied it right there in Genesis chapter 3. So all the earth could believe in the Messiah to come, right? They didn't, but they could have. And if they did they believe in the Messiah that was going to come, then they were put in a kind of a holding tank called Abraham's bosom. It wasn't heaven. It wasn't hell. It was kind of in the middle place, right? It wasn't purgatory. That's a Catholic uh, doctrine. It was, it was just a place not of torment, but not in the presence of God because they were unqualified to be in the presence of God because their spirits weren't alive yet. Then, then it says in Ephesians, after Jesus uh, raised from the dead, it says he, he uh, uh, took captive... Uh, Captivity, right? He, 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 he took all the people out of Abraham's bosom and brought them to heaven. Because once, they, uh, once he completed the cross, then they received the end of their faith, which is to believe in the Messiah, which caused them to be born again, right? So, so a man uh, must be born again once this... Uh, and we call verse 9 the age of accountability. It's no particular age. It's whenever a child is mentally aware that this is wrong, 
I know it's wrong. I'm going to choose to do it anyway. Well, that's different for every child, right? Some children, some, some people never get to that, right? You're, you know, grown adults who don't ever have the capacity really to discern right from wrong. Well, they'd still go to heaven because they never made the decision to do wrong to begin with. Right? And some, unfortunately, some, some adults will, will be that way. But most people will go through a stage, you know, uh, young adulthood somewhere, you know, I don't Again, there's no age. It's just whenever that child is aware enough to know that this is wrong and they choose to do it anyway uh, as an act of rebellion against the commandment, then they will lose the life of God. Uh, and Jesus, at that point, that person must be born again. Uh, and then when they get born again, we get born again by receiving the Lord Jesus, right? We receive him as our Lord and Savior. And what that causes, what that happens then over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> so he said in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in other words, if man receives the Lord Jesus, right, as his Savior, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So uh, uh, this is what happens when you get born again. You're a new creature on the inside, right? Because you're a new creature, but do you look exactly the same physically? Well, sure, right? If you're fat before, you're still fat afterwards, right? I mean, whatever. If you're tall before, you're still tall. So you haven't changed physically at all, so you're not brand new physically. Uh, what about your thought life? Do you still pretty much think the same thoughts? Um, you, I mean, you still pretty much think the same thoughts, right? Uh, so you're not new mentally, but spiritually you're brand new. Brand new, right? Old things have passed away. So whatever was in the spirit, uh, the spirit man is gone, right? So anything that was bad is all gone. And, and that's helpful to know because, um, well, we'll look at the here. We're in, in 2 Corinthians. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. So when you get born again, you know, we know how to get born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that we, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and confess him as our Lord, right? Just those two things, right? Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess Him as the Lord. Just those two things, amen? Now, a lot of people believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, a lot of people that don't go to church. Hey, did, did uh, Jesus come? Yeah. Did God raise Him from the dead on Easter? Oh, yeah. Well, have you ever accepted Him? No. See, it's that second part, confess Him as your Lord, right? That, that's, that's the key, right? It's kind of the, the linchpin of getting saved is, is confessing Jesus as your Lord. In other words, you're saying, Lord... You are now Lord of my life, right? I choose to allow you to be Lord of my life. Uh, and it's important because that is a conscious decision, right? You make a decision. Nobody gets forced to be born again. Nobody is forced to receive Jesus. We choose, okay, Lord, you are now Lord of my life. I choose to allow you to run my life as you see fit all the days of my life. Well, I ain't doing that. Well, then die. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? You, it, it's either you're either going to bow your knee on the earth with wisdom and enjoy days of heaven on the earth or you'll miss heaven and spend all eternity so so if you if you died uh before before getting born again before being made brand new see then then you're not qualified to go to heaven where's the only other place that you can go you go to hell right and so uh but but who chose not to accept jesus well, you did, right? I didn't, I didn't make you not accept Jesus. God didn't make you. I mean, he's trying to, every single day, the Spirit of God is talking to every human being on the earth that's not saved. You need to get saved. You need to accept the Lord Jesus. You need, you need to get born again. The Lord's telling every, every single one. Now, it's our job as Christians to go tell them, hey, God loves you. He wants to be good to you. And, and, and let me show you how to receive him. And, and they don't have to necessarily know all the technical, theological things that are going on. 
God is good. He loves you. Uh, accept him as your Savior. Okay. Uh, and so, so uh, that's the situation of, of the majority of mankind after, you know, in adulthood that haven't accepted Jesus. They're, they're all uh, not alive unto God, right? They're all dead spiritually and unqualified to go to heaven. Uh, and so if they will accept Jesus, he said that, that uh, uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So on the inside. Now, there will be evidence on the outside. People can tell. I know when I got saved, I got saved when I was 15. And, and um, I got saved in my bedroom. I, you know, we didn't go to church at that time because, you know, we, did, we had got 11 kids. You know where you go when you got 11 kids? You go nowhere, right? That's where we, that's where we went. We went nowhere, right? And, and so uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's where you go when you got 11 kids. You go nowhere. So we never went to church or anything. Uh, and... Um, but I was passing by the TV one day, and a man on TV, uh, someday when I get to heaven, I'll find out who it was. I said, here's how to get saved, except Jesus. Okay, I, I could do that. So I went up in my bedroom, got saved. And, um, and within a few weeks, you know, my mom said, what's different about you? I, knew, I had a new nature. And I, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know I was a new creature. I didn't know I was dead spiritually. Now I'm alive spiritually. I didn't know any of that. I just knew I accepted Jesus. But it's still... Whether I knew and understood it, it happened, right? My spirit man was made brand new. I was alive unto God. <clears throat> I was now made in the image and likeness of God on my, in my spirit man on the inside of me. <clears throat> if you remember, we talked about how in the, spirit, the spirit man is what connects the realm of the spirit, right? So our spirit man is what contacts the realm of the spirit. <clears throat> uh, and that's uh, that when, I, when I got saved and the spirit of God came into my life, I came into my spirit, man, and I was alive unto God. I was now qualified to go to heaven if I died physically, right? Uh, and so people say, well, that's not fair. Uh, I mean, if I tell you, uh, yeah, in fact, we, we were watching a show yesterday, right? Uh, one of those renovation shows. And this lady said she, she bought a house. And, and she was going to renovate it and then move into it. And, and so while she was renovating it, it burned down, burned to the ground. And she said, because I self-insured then, then I've got no money to replace it. Well, that's not really self-insured. That means you didn't get insurance, right? I mean, so let's just say I didn't buy any insurance because, you know, whatever reason, right? Uh, I would encourage you, if you buy a house to renovate, get insurance on the day one, right? And then you get different insurance when it gets done renovated. But anyway, uh, and so, uh, but people say, well, it's, you know, uh, the insurance should pay me. Well, but you don't have any insurance. Well, they should give it to me anyway. Well, Why? I mean, did you make a conscious decision not to get insurance? Did anybody make you, force you not to get insurance? Nobody forced it. It was your decision, right? And you hoped for the best, right? You're hoping that it would work out in the end. And a lot of people out in the world hope that when they see the Lord Jesus at the day of judgment, that he'll just give them a bye. It's okay. It's okay. And, and he'd be like, but I told you all your life to get saved. Yeah, but I didn't want to, Lord. I want to live how I wanted to, but now I want to get in. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? Because, see, it has to be by faith. And when you get to heaven, you don't need faith. You see him, right? You don't have to have faith that he exists. When you get to heaven, you'll know he exists. You'll see him, right? And so, uh, and the, the rebellion part of mankind says, well, that's unfair. There's a lot of rebellion. In, well, that's unfair. It's, not, it's neither unfair or fair. It just is. That's the, that's the deal. For all mankind, here's the deal. You can live days of heaven on the earth today if you accept him. That's the deal. And you get eternal uh, destiny with him 
forever. That's the deal. Well, I don't like that deal. Well, then you become God and you can make your own deals, right? But he's God. He, is he making the rules? It's his rules, you know, but the rebellion mankind. Well, that's not fair. See, it doesn't matter. It's, it is, right? If you really saw God in all of his glory, you'd realize, well, he's worthy to make the rules. He is qualified to make the rules. We want him to make the rules. We don't want you to make the rules. You don't want me to make the rules. Because it'd be like, no, you know, just zap you. I mean, I'd be zapping people all day long, right? Uh, linger too long at the red light, gone, right? Just out of this existence, right? Uh, I mean, just, you know, if we were God for the day, just think what would happen. It'd be awful, right? Uh, and so, you know, we all think, well, it's not fair. No, God is a very loving, I mean, he gave his only son, right? He literally gave his son the greatest gift in the world for you. How is that unfair? And then, he, and then he didn't force you. He said, hey, I would really love you to accept me. Well, I don't want to. It's to your advantage. Well, I shouldn't have to. It's the only way you're going to make it. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You're the one who died. You're the one who, in Romans 7, committed the sin. I didn't make you commit the sin. You chose to do that. Well, I didn't know it was going to happen. It doesn't matter. It happened, right? Uh, it, it ha that's the way it happened. Now, that's the way, unfortunately, because of how all things have turned out. That's the way they are. So it's unfortunate that there's so much rebellion in the world with, with people trying to say, well, it's unfair that God uh, makes us do these things. But it, it's, just the, it's just the way he set it up. Amen. And, and I'm okay with it because I know he's a loving and kind God. Amen. And he did all this work for me so I can avoid all these problems. Amen. So Paul said that once you get born again, you are a brand new creature on the inside. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things in your spirit, man, are brand new. You're completely brand new, right? Very new everything, amen? Uh, and, and in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, it says here in verse 13, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. So you hear the word of truth, right? What's the name of our church? Word of Truth Church. Where do you think we got that name from? This verse right here, right? Uh, the word of truth. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed. So when, we, when you accept the Lord Jesus... He said, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So one of the things that happens when you get born again is your spirit man is sealed by the Spirit of God. And he does that for two reasons. The word sealed there, if you look it up, uh, there's two things that are of value. Uh, anybody ever sealed the deck? I remember we sealed the deck when we had uh, uh, at the other house. Uh, we put, what, like 6,000 gallons of sealant on it. It's like, it just, because we had never sealed it, right? And it was like 18 years old. And it just, it, we like, you ever try to seal a sponge? I mean, just, you put it on there, nothing happens. And, and so you put more on there and still nothing happens. You keep putting them, finally, something looks like it happened, right? And, and so it took a lot of work to seal all that. So you seal things for protection, right? You seal it to protect it from the, the elements and the weather and stuff. Uh, and when your spirit is sealed, uh, that means nothing can get into it that shouldn't be there. You know, th there's a lot of weird doctrine in the church about how, oh, my spirit's got a devil, you know, all these things. And, if you're a Christian, it is impossible for you to be possessed, right? Now, uh, you know, now you can't yield to the devil as Christians, and many Christians do, right? Yield to the devil, but you're not possessed because your spirit's sealed, right? And the other, the other point of being sealed is sealed like a, like a king. Like, uh, you remember old days, a king would have a ring, and they put, uh, they sent a letter to somebody, he put a little uh, glob of hot wax, and he put his seal, his signet ring in that wax, right? And it was a seal that is a king. If anybody opens and breaks the seal, they die, right? You know, so it's pretty serious. They die, right? If I send a letter to the post office, nobody dies if they open up, the, if they opened up my letter, you know. Uh, well, nobody's going to get capital punishment for opening a letter. They shouldn't do it, but uh, nobody's going to die from that. But, but it, was, 
it was an important seal, right? It notified that this letter was important. And it's owned by the king. Nobody has a right to do anything with it, mess with it, other than the recipient. Uh, and, and in our spirit man, that's the way that it, it looks in the realm of the spirit. If you could see your spirit man in the realm of the spirit, it would be perfectly sealed. And out of a sign, uh, no entry, right? And that means for all the devils, all the, you know, all the enemies of mankind, uh, we have a mark of God on us in the realm of the spirit. Uh, and, and really, you know, we don't really appreciate that like we think we should. Because a lot of the church struggles in life and we have all these problems. And, and if you could see yourself like the devil sees you, the devil is terrified of the church that knows who they are. But he's convinced us that we're weak and powerless and we have no ability to overcome anything in this world and, uh, and, and we're barely getting by and we look just like the world with their same sickness and same disease and everything. And he, and he knows if, they'll just, if they ever figure it out, we're in trouble. If they ever figure out that they've got a seal on them that we all avoid, all, all of us de- demonic spirits avoid the Christians with the seals on them when they know they've got that seal, we stay far away from those guys. There's guys over here that we fooled into thinking that, they, you know, uh, that uh, the spirits men are not that important. That we, we can fool them all day long. But the Christians that know they're sealed. So that's the status of your spirit being. So, so the question is, uh, if your spirit man tells you something, is it correct? Uh, and he, here's what's really important for the church to know. See, uh, as you stay connected to the realm of the spirit... The Spirit of God will speak to your spirit. Jesus said that one of the things he's going to do is lead you and guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Uh, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 uh, says that for as many as the sons of God, uh, they are uh, led by the Spirit of God. Uh, or as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, and so uh, we can be led by the Spirit of God. So his Spirit will speak to our spirit to go do something. And if our spirit ever picks up something, is it correct? It's always correct. Amen. Uh, and that's it. We're, we're going to hold that because we, we got one more thing to, to, to think about that. It's like, well, then, so you, so you mean you can live a life with, without making a mistake? You have the potential to never make another mistake all the days of your life if you learn how to yield to your spirit man, right? Uh, and so, so that's the status of our spirit after we're born again. Sealed by the Holy Ghost, contains the Holy Ghost, uh, right? Uh, uh, we we're, have the uh, signature of God on our spirits. No errors in it. It can never make a mistake. It will never do wrong. It will never lead you incorrectly. It's perfect. It's just like God. It's not deity, but it's made from God, right? He, he's a father of spirits, and then you get born again. You're a brand new creature. Uh, he didn't just, just slap a coat of paint on it. He, he made it brand new, amen? So it's perfect. Uh, now, it's immature, right? A, a healthy child comes into the earth. It's perfect, right? But you're going to go hand it to car keys? Hey, go to Walmart, you know? I'm just a day old. Shut up. Get to work. I mean, you know, you wouldn't do that because it's, it's immature, right? It's not capable of doing that yet. Amen. Now, it's not, it doesn't do anything wrong. It's perfect, right? It, they're kind of useless, right? They just, all they do is take, 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 right? They never give. They just take, 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 right? Uh, and so, so that's, the, the, you know, your spirit man does need to grow. Amen. It grows by being fed the word of God, by being fed uh, prayer and those types of things. Uh, and so it can grow. So that's the status of your spirit man. Uh, and, then, and then you've got the soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And, and uh, we're in Ephesians chapter uh, 1 there. Let's turn over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14.
So, and this, this verse is a really helpful verse because if you can meditate on this verse, you'll understand where a lot of the problems in life are from. So he said here in Romans chapter, uh, or 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 10, he says, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them without signification or without meaning. So there's a lot of voices in the world. Now, uh, just in your own life, right? Your spirit man has a voice. It will always tell you, do right, follow God, you know, pray, read your word, whatever it's, I mean, it's always telling you to do the right thing. Go invest in that. Your spirit man can tell you that. Uh, don't turn there because there's an accident down the road somewhere. Your spirit man will always lead you correctly. But your mind also has a, a voice, right? Uh, and it's going to tell you, uh, you know, holler at them, cuss them out, you know, you know lie, lie about that, you know, slash their tire, steal their dog, you know, I mean, it's, it's or it could tell you, you know, it's okay to follow God, right? Because your mind sometimes can, can tell you to do some things that are okay, but, um, you know, but a lot of times you're like, they're talking about me. How do you know? I know, I know they're. You don't know. You think they are, but you don't know. I mean, were you there? I'm pretty sure they are. Well, why? Based on what evidence? Well, I just know. You don't really know, right? Uh, a lot of things we get in our mind, you know, we just make up, right? The Old Testament talks about, in Proverbs, about manufactured thoughts. You ever had a manufactured thought? It didn't exist. Nothing happened, but you made it up, right? It's a whole universe. You created it. Uh, and so... Uh, so your mind has a voice, right? Uh, does your body have a voice? Feed me, right? Eat that last donut. Eat another donut. Eat all the donuts, right? Go buy more donuts. Uh, and, um, you know, my, my wife was pregnant. Which one was it? Was it Anne-Marie? Or the first? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was like, I don't know, like, was it 4 o'clock in the morning? It was late, you know. It was like 11 o'clock. It was late, right? 10, 11 o'clock. She said, hey, would you go buy me some white donuts? And I said, No. Yeah, see, I know it sounds like a terrible person, right? I really thought, I mean, with, with all sincerity, I thought she was joking. Because if she really wanted me to go buy her as a pregnant woman with little white donuts, I would have probably done it. But I thought she was just messing with me. No, you're pregnant. You don't need any more donuts. You know, look at you, you know. And so, <laughs> and so uh, I'm, still, I'm still working on getting over that one right there, you know. So I haven't, I'm still got the doghouse on that one there, right uh, uh, but that was, her, that was her body speaking. Donuts! Give me donuts! Now! Uh, and, and I'm like, shut up. You don't need donuts. And so, uh, well, we all get to grow up, right? And so that's been a long time ago. Uh, but um, uh, have we gotten over it yet? Oh, you over it? Okay, all right. So now, now we're good, right? What's that? You forgive me? Just now, right there, right? See? What, Amory's what, 27? Uh, no, I didn't give her no donuts. You know? <laughs> yeah, we made up for it since then. So, uh, so that's a voice, right? Your body has a voice. Amen? Your emotions have a voice. You know, uh, harbor ill will against them. You know, be mad, you know. And, and, well, they may be mad. I love that one. They may be mad. Uh, you ever heard that? You ever said that? You know, that's technically not possible, right? Nobody can make you do anything, right? Now, you can get mad. That's true, right? I don't like what they did, and so I got mad. Okay, that's fair, right? Uh, and, and really, if we could learn to speak more accurately, we could solve a lot of problems. Because if you say, well, she made me mad, well, then it's, it's not your fault that you got mad. It's her fault. But that is, the, the Lord's like, uh, no, you chose to get mad, right? Uh, your sin is always on you. It's never on somebody else, amen? 
Uh, and so you can't actually say, you can never stand before the Lord and say, well, Lord, they may be mad. He'd be like, is that right? So they like went, in, went inside of your, your emotions and, and flipped that mad switch. Is that what they did? Well, no, they said that. Oh, they said something. Oh, okay. Um, and so you can just not, you can just ignore it, right? Well, no, you know, I had, I had to tell them, Lord. You had to tell them, right? You couldn't just not tell them. That's not an option. You couldn't just not do it. Well, no, Lord, I, I had to do that. No, you, you really didn't, right? And, and so that's another whole, we can talk about that for a long time, right? That's, that's meddling right there. We can meddle all day long. Uh, but, but there's a lot of voices, right? And, and here, here's the struggle that Christians have. Which voice do I listen to? Right? And how do I hear the voice of my spirit? Because what happens is a lot of times, until we train ourselves, our emotions are really loud. You know, you go tell them off. You know, you, know, you don't deserve that. Uh, I, I love, in fact, if you go to the donut store here on their box, it says you deserve a donut, right? And so it's got to be true. Right? I deserve a donut. Uh, but I hate that because in my mind, I deserve nothing, right? I, and, and so I just have to eat, close my eyes and not even look at the box, right? Because I... I I can never say I deserve that because our emotions will tell us, well, you deserve that, right? See, that's a voice. But your spirit man's like, I don't deserve anything. You know, I mean, I deserve hell is what I deserve, but because of the grace and mercy of the Lord, I get to go to heaven. And so, uh, see, but your emotions will tell you, dictate to you, well, you know, you just need to be mad sometimes. Well, you know, sometimes it's okay to be mad. Right? It's never okay. Sometimes it's okay to lie. It's never okay to lie. But see, your thoughts will say those things. Your emotions, will say, your emotions have a voice, right? Your thoughts have a voice. But your spirit man also has a voice. And as a born-again Christian, that voice is never wrong. But sometimes hearing that voice over the loud voice of your emotions, over the loud voice of your thoughts, can be difficult. And you have to train yourself. And it's pretty easy to train yourself because all you have to do is every voice you, you hear, whether it's your body or your mind or your emotions or your, your spirit man, take it to the Word of God. Does this line up with the Word of God? Does, does the Lord say it's okay to do that? Uh, and 99 times out of 100, you're going to be fine, right? Uh, and probably, probably 100 times out of 100. But most of the time, it's like, well, you, you don't understand. I always love that one. You don't understand. Well, I don't have to understand. It's wrong. Wrong is wrong, right? Stealing from your grandma is wrong. Well, I needed it more than she did. Uh, it's still wrong, right? I mean, is that wrong? I mean, you know, we all, that's a terrible thing, right? Well, we've all done terrible things, I'm sure. So there's a lot of voices in the world. So, the, so what we have to learn in our life is how do we, how do we train ourselves to listen to the right voice? Well, the, the right voice is always going to line up with the Word of God. The Spirit of God will never lead you separate from the Word of God. He will never violate any of His principles. Well, you know, it's okay to lie sometimes. You think the Spirit of God told you it's okay to lie? Did God in heaven say, in this case, I know the devil is the father of lies, but in this case, it's okay. Is he ever going to say that? He's never going to say that ever, right? So it's always, it's always wrong, right? Uh, and yet, sometimes in, in, in our Christian walk, we, we, we feel like we've got to justify our actions to remove guilt. So uh, we know we're guilty, but we're going to excuse, you know, uh, we're going to use an excuse to try to remove the guilt, even though that doesn't remove the guilt. It's still there. But our, our minds will be put at ease, right? Our spirit man will be like, you're still guilty, dummy, you know, but... Our minds be like, I justified it. I figured out how to get around it. I got to find a loophole. There's no loopholes, right? Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Amen. It's always right. It's always wrong. It's never in between. Uh, and so, and your spirit man is always perfect. It will never lead you. Your mind, 50-50. Now your, now your body uh, is, its voice 
is uh, both the voice of uh, the sin nature and the physical body, right? So the sin nature is contained in the flesh. Paul, we, we're not going to go back to, but back in Romans chapter 7, Paul said, that is in my flesh. Uh, there is no good thing. So that sin nature that was passed down from Adam resides in your physical body. So everywhere you go, it's there, right? We talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, so, uh, so that's the condition of, of spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Uh, and just real quick, I keep looking at the clock. There's no clock there. What, what time we got there? Oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to read one more verse, and, and then we'll go. Uh, over in Romans chapter 12. And actually, uh, well, I say one more verse, but that, if I say one more verse, that means I get five, right? Um, Romans chapter 12, he says uh, in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable perfect will of God. So, the, so Romans is written to the church, right? So when you get saved, your spirit man is perfect. No, no renewing needs to be done. It's brand new, right? And, and you don't ever have to renew it. But your mind, you need to renew it every day because it doesn't think like the word thinks. It doesn't think like your spirit thinks. So Paul is telling us, renew your mind. He said, and that'll transform your life. And the biggest issue in people's lives is their mind. It's not their spirit, man. It's sealed by the Holy Ghost. It's fine. It's not their flesh because they can't do anything about it anyway. Uh, it's, it is that way for, until they get a glorified body. And so the mind is the only one that can change. Uh, and so the mind has to be renewed. And what it needs to be renewed to is think like the word thinks. Think uh, like God thinks. Uh, and a biggest, one of the biggest areas that you can renew your mind is, what do you think about yourself? I'm a horrible person. What does God think about you? You're my child and I love you. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a sorry excuse for a human being. And God thinks, yeah, but I think you're worth enough for me to die for you. See, that would, be, that would renew your mind, right? Because a lot of people, they think, I'm unworthy, I'm no count, I'm of no value. But God thinks, a, a king, I'm going to send a king to die for you. That's how much I think of you. See, if you can think like that, see, I think like that about me. God loves me. So when somebody tells me, you know, I can't stand you, I think, yeah, but God loves me. So you don't like me. God loves me. No comparison, right? I mean, so it doesn't bother me for more than a nanosecond or two when somebody says, I don't like you. Yeah, but God likes me. You know, and, and uh, a lot of things people will say that to, in order to hurt your feelings, hurt your emotions, hurt your mind, right? It doesn't hurt your spirit, man, but it hurts your emotions and your, and your mental capacity. And so if you get your mind renewed, God loves me. A king died for me. Blood was shed for me. You don't like me? That's your loss, right? And, and I really think that, right? You don't like me? Man, you are missing out. I'm a great person, right? Uh, I know that well, you think you're so much of yourself. Well, a king died for me, right? And I know he died for you too, but he died for me and I know that. And so I don't have any problem with that. Amen. But it takes a while for your mind to be renewed, to start thinking like God thinks about you, start thinking like God thinks about the world, think like, think like God thinks in every situation. Oh, you're on my list now. I have been on so many lists, right? Uh, and, and I remember one time uh, when, we was with, uh, when I was with my pastor, you know, I, ma I made an observation uh, that, uh, you know, I was fairly young, uh, you know, I was... Uh, just out of college, and, and uh, I noticed that anybody that had been around the church there for a long time got on the bad list, you know, and then they got talked about from the pulpit and things, and, and I remember thinking, Lord, and I was running sound one day, I just remember thinking, Lord, I don't want to be on the list. I don't want, I don't, I, I'm going to try to avoid getting on the list, 
But I knew in my heart I was, someday I was going to get on a list. And I did. I got on a bad list, right? And I didn't do anything, right? I mean, just you got on a list because, you know, things happen. And you, now you're on a bad list. Uh, and um, uh, see, that's an unrenewed mind. Uh, if, you know, if you, look, if you can look at my pockets, I got, I got no lists. There are no lists. I have no lists, right? See, my mind's renewed. See, uh, uh, in fact, just the other day, somebody done something to me, and then like the next day, the Lord rebuked me. He said, you didn't pray for them. Because you, usually when somebody does something to me, first thing I do, I pray for them. Lord, bless them, increase them, help them, prosper them, be good to them, speak to them, remind them you love them. Until, that, until they're off my list. I pray for them until they're off my list. See, I didn't pray for them. He, he rebuked me. He said, you, didn't, you're supposed to, you know you're supposed to pray for them if they do anything to you. And it wasn't even a big thing, but it was a thing, right? And I didn't, and I didn't pray for them. Because that's what I do. I go on the offense when somebody does something to me. I go on I start praying for them. Uh, and, and so, uh, see, that keeps my mind where it's supposed to be. Amen. So, uh, so uh, we'll, we'll continue on this. We've got we to gotta talk a little bit more about this because we haven't got to the heart yet because we need to understand spirit, soul, and body so that we can get to the heart. Amen. And, and so we're going to, you know, I hope you're not like, oh, you're never going to get done with this. You know, I, I don't sense that you are that way, right? Because part of, part of my job is I've got I to know if I've lost you all, right? If you're all like, you know, if you start thinking, wow, there's so much dust in that light, then I know I've lost it, right? We'll go on to something else, right? And so I think we're okay right now, right? And so we'll keep on. Uh, because it, it's, if you can understand this area of spirit, soul, and body and how these things work, it, it'll make it so much easier to fix things in the future, Right? Uh, you know, I'm not a mechanic, but I can tell you exactly how an internal combustion engine works, right? Uh, in fact, uh, you know, we were trying to get that thing started, right? We were trying to get the, the, uh, um, uh, the, the forklift started, right? And, uh, hey, how do you start this? Well, you got to open it. You got to open up and you got to kick the starter. I mean, you got to hammer the starter. Peck on the, and I'm like, what's that even mean? You peck on the starter, right? I mean, who knows how to do that, right? And so, so we opened it up and we're looking at it like... I wonder where the starter's at. I mean, you know, you don't know. There's wires everywhere and stuff. And, and, but see, I know enough about it. It's like, the starter's got to be connected to the battery, right? So I know that. So I've got the battery. And follow like, these little round things. Like, I bet that starter. We well, don't know. You bang on the starter, you know? <laughs> Nothing's happening. You bang on the starter. You put it all back together and just... And it started up. It's like, hey. Right? So, see, I don't know anything about whether I should bang the thing or not. But I know where the starter's at, right? So I know... I know a little bit of uh, just just enough to be dangerous, right? And so, it it's but see people that really know that say I can tell you exactly how spirit, soul, and body works, amen. So to me that's a, that's a fair exchange. I tell you how spirit, soul, and body works. You tell me how to bang the starter. It's like okay, yeah, that's you know, uh, that's that's why we need each other, right? Uh, and so uh, we're going to get there together, amen. Uh, well, let's let's uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So Father, we thank you for the Word of God. And Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy. And Father, we thank you for speaking to us each and every day that you love us, that you remind us how, how many good things you desire for us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Father, we thank you that as you instruct us in, in the word, uh, that uh, you'll speak to us uh, and show us how to walk more closely with you each and every day. And Father, we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's uh, tithes and offerings. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day about just giving, right? Because, of course, we give as part of the church here. Um, you know, in the Lord's economy, uh, his economy is based on the principle of sowing and reaping. Amen. 
Now, our economy, you know, the natural economy, the, the uh, um, uh, I was trying to think of the word, the capitalist econ economy is based on the premise of buying and selling, right? So I go to, I give you money and you give me something else, right? But see, God flips that around. I give you something first and then, and then, then I reap from you, right? Or, or you give me something first and then you reap from me. That's the law of sowing and reaping, right? So, so that's the way God operates, right? He, the, for God so loved the world, he gave. So, and then he reaps, right? Because we, uh, we said Pentecost was the harvest, the first fruits or the reaping. So, so he sowed the Lord Jesus and then he reaped the world, right? So, so God's economy is always sowing and reaping. So in the, in the point of giving, see, the part of giving is uh, the minister sows into your life, right? I sow the word of God into your life. And then as a benefit from that, then, then I reap from, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking it from you, but as a, as a part of sowing and reaping, then we reap uh, uh, what people choose to give, right? So there's no requirement of forcing to give. It's just sowing and reaping. So that's the way God works. So he always gives first, amen? And that's one reason why I, I choose to receive the offering at the end of the service because I think in sowing and reaping, I should give first and then reap, right? So we never take up an offering, right? You'll never hear us, well, let's take up an offering because we don't take anything, right? We, we receive, right? So we're on the receiving end, amen? And so that's why we say receive an offering because that's God's economy, sowing and reaping. So we receive, amen? Uh, and and that's, that's fair, right? That's a fair exchange. Uh, and uh, I think it's a fair exchange anyway. That's what the Word of God says. And so that's why we receive, right? So so we sow spiritual things in your life. Uh, we receive natural things uh, back in exchange for that. And it's not a fair exchange because if you paid what this is worth, you couldn't pay for that, right? I mean, it, it's, if you could learn how to live a life of perfect victory, how much would that be worth? You know, how much money do, do people spend on health care every year? But if I could teach you how to live in divine health, how much would that be worth? So it's never, it's not, it's not paying it. You're not paying me, right? You're not paying me for services rendered. Uh, you're just sowing into the ministry. So you are sowing and I'm sowing. So we're all sowing and then you're reaping from what I give to you and I'm reaping from what you give to me. So that's, that's God's economy and, and I think it's a pretty, pretty good way to do it, amen? Uh, and that way there's no compunction, right? Because a car is only worth so much and that's it. So you're not putting a dollar value on what this message is worth because if you did, it's, it's a billion dollars and at, that's starting, that's the ante, that's, a, you know, that's their starting point. Uh, but so, so we're not putting a dollar value on what this what this message cost, right? We're just sowing and reaping, amen? So, so um, anyway, I, I thought, uh, I was just thinking about that yesterday, and I thought that was pretty good, so I thought that'd help you there. So, so come ahead, Mr. Jared. So we're going to receive the offering, and we thank you for your, for your giving, and we appreciate your faithfulness in giving. Uh, and, and to me, see, it, it, it encourages me as a minister to, I have to be faithful to, to study, faithful to pray, faithful to put, put together what the Lord uh, wants you all to hear, to the best of my ability, and uh, see that I have to be faithful in that, and and so I appreciate you all being faithful to give because you all are faithful to give, uh, and so uh, if we're all faithful, then we all get there together, amen. Uh, and so I think we're also going to receive communion today. This is actually going to be our first communion in our new sanctuary, right? In our mostly new sanctuary. It's not all the way new yet, right? It's almost new. Uh, uh, we still got some few little things to finish up here, so um, it'll get done eventually. But uh, I thought it'd be good to receive communion here. And while Jared is doing that, I'm going to read uh, a verse here in uh, Matthew chapter 27. So, you know, communion was instituted by the Lord Jesus uh, uh, just before um, 
just before he went uh, to the cross, right? Uh, and so you remember the Last Supper? Uh, and, um, you know, the, you, you've seen the picture that, that uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci painted, right, of the Last Supper? And for some reason, they could only sit on one side of the table, right? So, I mean, most tables, you sit on both sides, but uh, they all wanted to be in the picture, so they got on the same side of the table. Uh, and so, uh, so they're having the Last Supper before Jesus went to the garden and, got, uh, uh, and ended up going to the cross. It says here in Matthew 27, 26, As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and break it, and gave to his disciples, says, Take, eat, this is my body. Uh, and if you look at other, other versions of this, it's taking my body, this is my body given, broken for you. So the bread represents, it's not his body, but it represents his body, right? He says, I gave this body for you. And if we go to other verses, like 1 Peter 2.24, it says, by his stripes you were healed. So he gave his body, see, he could have done this just spiritually, right? He could have just done a spiritual event and, and saved mankind spiritually, but, but we're made spirit, soul, and body. So he needed to have an aspect of, of redemption that included his body receiving whatever he needed to receive so that our bodies could be made well. And in and, and 1 Peter 2.24, it says, by his stripes. So he took a lot of beating in his body. He said, this, this bread represents what I did for you. And it represents that I took all those stripes so that you can live a life of divine health. And I want you to remember that. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So he could have given us anything. He could have given us... Uh, a, a corn dog or a potato chip or anything that represented anything else, right? But he chose to, to say, I want you to remember what my body did for you. I took stripes so that you have a right and a privilege to live in divine health all the days of your life, but uh, you have to do that by faith, right? Uh, and so, it's okay if I have that one there. All right. So this bread represents the body of the Lord Jesus, and specifically, we can remind ourselves, this body took stripes, it was beaten, it was marred, it was stabbed, uh, all so that I can live in divine health. Uh, and so that's a pretty big deal, right? And he said, do this and remember to me, remind yourself that we have the right as a Christian to live in health. And, and you know, healing is such a controversial subject in the church, and yet every church receives communion. Every church receives communion. But, and they, they act like, yeah, but it doesn't mean healing. What, what else does it mean? That's the only thing it could mean. Uh, because then the blood, he said this, uh, he went on to tell them after they took the bread, he says, uh, then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. Uh, and really what he's saying, all of you. So all of you receive this juice, this juice. He said, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, or forgiveness of sins. So this, this juice, right, it's not real blood. It's just juice. It's just, you know, we buy at Walmart. It's not, it's not especially spiritual, right? It's just plain old juice. Uh, but it represents the blood of Jesus, he said, which is shed for you. So he said, I want you to be healed, and I want you to be free from sin. He said, remember that. Uh, that's, that's what I want for my people. I want to be healed in their bodies and free from sin. And that's a pretty good deal, right? And he said, remember that. Uh, and, and, and that's why one reason I love communion, because it reminds me of how good the Lord Jesus is to us. Amen. And so we're going to do that. We're gonna, uh, let's do this in the right order. Let's receive the bread first, because if you do the juice first and then the bread, you're going to get all choked up. And, you know, and then you, know, you, need to, you need the juice to wash down this little dry bread, right? It's unleavened bread. We won't go into all the reasons why about that. 
Uh, but uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for this community today. And so, Father, we thank you for this bread, which represents the body of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, it was beaten for us. It, it took stripes, Father, so many stripes. It was stabbed, Father. Uh, blood and water came out of his body when the Roman centurion stabbed him on the cross, Father. And he did that for my benefit. He didn't have to do it. Nobody made him do it. He chose to do that, Father. So I have a right and a privilege to live in divine health. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And by faith, we receive this bread, thanking you that we can live a healthy life on this earth. In Jesus' name. And, Father, for the precious blood of Jesus. <clears throat> Father, that, that's that no more precious substance in all the world. When the judge of mankind, uh, you, Father... When you sat down and added up the cost of all the sin of mankind and what it would cost to pay for that, because all sin must be paid for. There's a price for all sin. And you added it up, and, and the price came out to be an infinite value, an infinite cost to pay for the sins of mankind. And you looked around the universe, and what, what would be the most precious substance? And you knew the only thing that would be worth that much that would be equivalent to all the sins of the world would be, the only, would be the blood of my only son. <clears throat> and so, Father, you sent him to the earth, and you gave him a body, Father, uh, and you allowed him to, to grow, on, grow up on this earth and to go to the cross and to shed that very precious blood, knowing that every drop that fell from the cross, Father, would pay for the sins of mankind. And so now, Father, we look backwards to the cross. All of our sins are paid for. Uh, every sin that's ever been committed Every sin that ever will be committed has already been paid for. And all that we lack, Father, then is to receive the work of, of the cross. And if we receive it, Father, then all of our sins are wiped away, washed uh, away from our lives. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Just real quick with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You know, we talked a little bit about spirit, soul, and body and about uh, the blood of the Lord Jesus and if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus, never accepted the work of the cross, never accepted what Jesus has done for you, you know, today's always a good day. Amen? Uh, and so if, you, if you'd like us to pray for you, pray with you to get saved, to receive the Lord Jesus and make your way uh, towards heaven all the days of your life, if you'd like us to do that, if you'll raise your hand, we'll pray for you. Amen? Uh, and help you receive the Lord Jesus and get our on the way to heaven. Amen? Praise God. Anyone want to receive the Lord Jesus today? Well, all right, praise God. Well, let's, let's uh, um, I guess we've received the offering, right? We've received communion. So um, I guess our next, we're going to have a church meal, right? Coming up in two weeks, right? So what's that? Yeah, by faith. So let's all get into intercession, uh, get this building finished up, right? We've got to move on, right? It's taking it's take too long, right? I mean, we got, I know we got one right here in the front. You got to pray, right? Miss Sandra, you got to pray. Uh, we we got we to get this done. Amen. We got to move on. Amen. Uh, and so, all right. Don't forget we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. Y'all be blessed and uh, you're dismissed.